part of what I want to share with you this morning is um, it's the uh, part of the, the Passion Week account out of uh, the book of Matthew. So if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 27, go ahead and do that. Open up your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to be starting in verse 11. And uh, before, we, as you're turning there, I just want you to know that, you know, that we don't have many announcements this week. Um, we've had a lot going on in the city um, prior to, to Passover and, and Easter. One of the things that happened was last week there was a day of, of prayer and fasting through the churches in Athens. There's also been uh, a couple weeks before that we had uh, pastors in particular praying and fasting and there's been a lot of, I've had a lot of prayer Zoom calls with other pastors, and I just want y'all to know that that uh, God is is moving in, in Athens, and that there's the body of Christ in Athens is is unified, and in a lot of ways that maybe it's not in other places, and so we're we're blessed in that regards, and we're praying for unity in the body of Christ across the globe. But um, we've had there's been church planners that have come in the past few years and they're amazed at how well the pastors work together and and so um, God's doing a special thing in here and I just wanted to encourage you guys that um, most of the pastors in this church don't look at each other as competitors we we look at, at, at each other as being on the same team and we're we are we're on team Jesus and we're 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 working together um, for a harvest and for Jesus to uh, receive all the glory. So just wanted to let you know about that. But in uh, Matthew chapter twenty-seven, it's good to see Tim from Bucks County, Pennsylvania again. Love you guys up there. Um, but starting in verse eleven, read with me. It said now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, "Are you the king of the Jews?" And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge. So the governor was quite amazed. Now, I think... Pilate would be like many of us where if, if somebody was being threatened with death and execution and they didn't defend themselves, that, that we would be amazed. And this is the thing that, that Jesus demonstrates. So this is, just, this is my first point that I want to make, and it's just a quick one. But Jesus didn't defend himself. He just simply would state the truth. We have a friend named Supraza Satole, and... Um, when people people ask me, like, surprise when if people want to debate with you about like God and theology, or does God st still do miracles or whatever? How do you how do you answer that? And he says, "I tell the truth, and then I let the Holy Spirit do the rest." And so he's from Mozambique, by the way. And so um, this is what really Jesus did. He t he tells the truth. He says, "It is as you say." And does not defend himself in some way. And, and then there's times where to win an argument, you don't say anything. And, and Jesus, 
trusted the Father to bring justice about for him. And so many times we try to bring about justice for ourselves without entrusting ourselves to the one who can bring true justice. That's why the scriptures say, uh, do not repay back evil for evil. Don't try to take vengeance because vengeance belongs to the Lord. The Lord will make it right. He'll make it right in due time. And so this was actually to fulfill Isaiah 53, verse 7, where it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. Now, Jessica and I went for a walk yesterday, and we passed by a field of sheep. And the thing I noticed about the sheep is that I didn't hear a sound out of them. Now, I know they bad and make noise, but I didn't hear a sound. Now, we have goats. Anytime people walk by, they're like, feed me, feed me. Ah, ah, and they, you know, they start getting frothing at the mouth and whatnot. But these sheep that we passed by, and they didn't say a, sound, uh, say a word. And it really, I remember thinking that. I was like, man, those sheep are quiet compared to our goats. And it says here, Jesus was like a sheep before his shears. He did not open his mouth. And so Jesus, so, so many ways, so many times we want justice for ourselves and we want fairness. But Jesus, uh, he demonstrated there's actually a way higher than right and wrong, so to speak. That there is the way of Jesus. There's the, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so Jesus would have been right to defend himself to Pilate. It's like, listen, I'm innocent. I've never sinned, man. I'm the son of God. I've done, I've done nothing against these people who accuse him. And he could have gone down a laundry list of things, but he instead he chose a higher way. And that way led him to the cross, but also leads him to resurrection. And so there's a death in doing things the way that Jesus does them. But the, but the end of the matter is better than the beginning because it, it, it leads to resurrection, it leads to power, it leads to eternal life, it leads to things that can, can never be taken away from you. And so when we choose the way of Jesus, there's typically a death on the front end of it. But, in the, but on the back end, there's life, there's grace, and there's power. And so that's my, that's my first point this morning. And then my second point is the question... Which Jesus are we going to choose? And this is also out of Matthew chapter 27, and this is in verse 19. And so I'm just going to read through these, these verses, and I want you to read along with me. So starting in verse 15. Now every year at Passover, it was the custom of the governor to pardon a prisoner, and release him to the people, anyone they wanted. And at that time, Pilate was holding in custody a notorious criminal named Jesus Barabbas. Now, this is out of the, the Passion Translation, but the he, there's some Hebrew and Greek texts that have Barabbas' name as Jesus Barabbas. Okay, And so, here's Barabbas. Here's Jesus Barabbas, and here's Jesus Christ standing beside Pilate. So as the, as the crowds of people assembled outside of Pilate's residence, he went out and offered them a choice. He asked them, Who would you want me to release to you today? Jesus, who is called Barabbas, or Jesus, who is called the Anointed One? 
Now Pilate was fully aware that the religious leaders had handed over Jesus over to him because of their bitter jealousy. Just then, as Pilate was presiding over the tribunal, his wife sent him an urgent message. Don't harm that holy man, for I have suffered a horrible nightmare last night about him. Meanwhile, the chief priests and the religious leaders were inciting the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be freed and to have Jesus killed. So Pilate asked them again, which of the two men would you like me to release to you? They shouted, Barabbas! Pilate asked them, then what would you have me do with Jesus, who is called the Anointed One? They all sh shouted back, crucify him! Crucify him! Why, Pilate asked, what has he done wrong? But they kept shouting, crucify him! When Pilate realized that a riot was about to break out and that it was useless to try to reason with the crowd, he sent for a basin of water. After washing his hands in front of the people, he said, I am innocent of the blood of this righteous man. The responsibility for his death is now yours. And the crowd replied, Let his blood be on us and on our children. Now that last line kind of sends chills through my body. And I was asking the Lord about this line and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, in one way or the other, the blood of Jesus is going to be upon us. And so the blood of Jesus will be on us no matter what. Without repentance, we'll be held responsible for Jesus' death because our sins nailed him to the cross. So in that way, the blood of Jesus is on us. But with repentance, his blood covers us, forgives us, cleanses us of all unrighteousness and gives us bold access to the Father. And so as these people said, let his blood be on us and on our children. When we were enemies of the, of the cross, when we were, when we were um, in the kingdom of darkness, when we were doing things our own way, we were the ones shouting, let his blood be on us and our children. But when we received, when we saw Jesus as Lord and Savior, as the Son of God, then the blood of Jesus is applied differently and it's applied to cover us, to give us access and to cleanse us. And now the blood of Jesus is upon me and my children, but it's for a blessing up to a thousand generations. And so even Pilate, even though he washed his hands clean in front of the crowd, the Lord gave his wife a dream to warn him. And so, yeah, even Pilate claimed innocence, but he was guilty as well. And so, as I tell people all the time, we're all in the same boat. We're Pilate. We're Barabbas. We're the crowd shouting, crucify him. Because there's only one who's perfect. There's only one righteous. And, you know, Isaiah says, there's no one righteous. No, not one. We all have sinned and gone astray, each to his own way. And so the people, they had to choose between two Jesuses, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus Christ. One was a criminal, a robber, an insurrectionist, a man of violence. The other was innocent, a giver, did no secret plotting, did not try to overthrow the government, and was a man of violence, but violence in the spirit, if you remember, says a violent man takes the kingdom of heaven by force. 
but it's talking about in the spirit. And so violence in the spirit looks like repentance. It looks like humility. It looks like maybe fasting. It looks like other things in the kingdom, making peace, not defending yourself. Those things are violent in the spirit. And so Jesus Barabbas, so Jesus, the name Jesus means God is salvation. Okay. Barabbas means son of a father. And so you have a man named Jesus Barabbas, God of salvation, son of a father, standing beside Jesus Christ, God of salvation, the anointed one. And so God of salvation for Jesus Barabbas, he is the God of salvation for the spiritual orphan, the one who doesn't know their father. And so you had Barabbas means son of a father. So back in that day, when you introduced yourself, you would, I would say, hey, I'm Travis, son of Merle. Or like Peter, it says Simon Bar-Jonah, which means Simon, son of Jonah. And so that's how you introduced yourself. You didn't really have last names as much as your last name was who your father was, David, son of Jesse. And so Barabbas, his name, when he introduced himself, he said, Jesus Barabbas, meaning God is, meaning Jesus, I don't have a father. I don't, I don't know who my father is. And so Barabbas represents this orphan heart that's in all of us, that's looking for a home, that's looking that our, our, our spirits don't have any rest until we find our home and Father God. And so he represents the, um, the orphan spirit of, of meaning we're lost. We don't know where home is. We don't know who our Father is. A sen a, no sense of identity. And so the people, they chose Barabbas, who represents the sin man, over the God man. And so you have Jesus, uh, Barabbas represents spiritual rebellion, he re represents the sin nature, our orphan heart, he, re he represents our lostness and darkness. Jesus Christ represents surrender, innocence, purity. He represents the divine nature, the God man. He represents the heart of sonship, the firstborn among many brethren. He knows who he is and where his home is. He knows that his heart, that his identity is in the heart of the Father. And he represents light. And so, I know that this is uh, Resurrection Sunday, and I'm kind of talking, doing a, a Good Friday message, but this is the message that the Lord laid on my heart is, which Jesus are we going to choose? And, and, you know, so many times in our own life, if we imagine that both of those Jesuses are, so to speak, are battling to win over our life, that it's the carnal nature represented by Barabbas or the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit and our, our regenerated spirit man that represent, is represented by Jesus Christ. And so there is a, um, the old sin man is the one that needs to be crucified. It's the, it's the sin nature that, that Jesus died on the cross for, to be crucified once and for all, that we may have new life. And so the good news is, we're new creations. And so we have to choose that reality. We have to believe that truth, and the truth sets us free. And, you know, Jesus, he represents light. And I've been thinking about, in the, in the midst of this COVID-19 thing, that there is a growing contrast between darkness and light. Isaiah 60 
chapter 60 talks about this. And it says, The glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. So that the earth is going to be completely enveloped in the glory of God. Now, the Bible says that no one can see God and live. <laughs> when we see God's glory, things things change. Like things are exposed because He's uh, dwells in unapproachable light, is what Timothy talks about. And so, as God's glory increases, the light of God is going to increase in the earth. And so, I say this as we we, we pray for revival and we pray for awakening, and we want those things. But we have to know what that's going to look like. And one of the things that's going to look like is there's going to be greater exposure because there's going to be greater light. And we're either going to love the light or we're going to, it says that men in John chapter 3, it says men love the darkness and so they, they try to hide their deeds. And so we either try to run and hide or we receive the light. And uh, what happened to like Daniel and John and Ezekiel and Isaiah when they encountered the glory of the Lord, when they, when they saw the Lord in his life? It says in Revelation chapter 1 about John, it says he fell like a dead man. And so when we see the glory of the Lord and as the, as the glory of the Lord increases and the light of God increases, when awakening breaks out, when revival breaks out, what's going to happen is there, there's going to be a great exposure of our hearts and it starts with the church and as the church goes the nation nations will go and every revival in history has begun with a great move of repentance and this isn't this this thing that we have to dread or or um be fearful about repentance is the sweet place with god because that's where the mercy of god is manifested because when you repent, God says, I forgive you. I'm going to put my spirit in you. You are cleansed and you are made new. And this thing is dead and now you have the life of Christ. So in the place of repentance is where you, is where you experience the presence of the Lord. It's where you experience his goodness. And you're wowed with his mercy. And so I, just, I pray for each and every one of us just that God would give us a spirit of repentance to prepare the way for the Lord as he comes back again. John prepared the way the first time by preaching the message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the message hasn't changed from when Jesus comes back the second time. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 